Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Betches Media presents... Like beer, I don't know if you do. Okay. you like beer, Senator, or not? Um, Mom, I want a vape. <laughs> Nude pictures of Trump. Come on now. Don't mess with me. The Betches Sup Podcast. How dare you? Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Betches Sup Podcast. This is Amanda Duberman. Today, I am here with a special guest. We are here with Molly Jong-Fast. She is a writer, a political commentator, and an editor-at-large for The Daily Beast, and she's also the author of three books. Thanks so much for coming, Molly. Oh, thanks for having me. If you've been on Twitter, you've seen Molly's tweets. Those are all of her achievements beyond (laughs) behind the tweets. But um, yes, it's this Molly Jong-Fast. She is with us. Um, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. So we wanted to um, start by jumping into a piece you recently wrote for the Washington Post about Joe Biden, sort of, I'm going to use the word mangling the Democratic primary. Um, I don't think that's a word you used, but that's my impression of what's happened as this sort of presumed front runner who actually has never placed above fourth in a presidential primary. The piece is titled Joe Biden did this to himself and to the rest of us. I'd like to just read one paragraph for our listeners. Fourth and fifth place finishes do not in any way constitute being in front. Yes, to run on electability, one should demonstrate the ability to be elected. And that's shown by, stick with me here, winning elections. Perhaps a guy who ran for president two previous times but never placed better than fourth was an odd choice to make the case for electability in the first place. So you later write that Joe Biden isn't just appearing to be unelectable, but he's also been a bit of a spoiler in this race. Can you tell us like what you what you mean by that? You know, it's. Joe Biden is such an interesting case because, like, you've never seen anyone who's been through more tragedy. I mean, the guy is, and he's a lovely, lovely man. And in fact, the number one criticism I've gotten for the piece is like, but he's a lovely man. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, no, I know. And he's been through hell. And but the problem is Democrats, you Democrats need to stop uh, not nominating people or deciding that their front runner is going to be someone who's had a hard time yeah like they're running against donald j trump like donald j trump doesn't care if all your children died in a horrible fire in fact he's (laughs) going to cut ads about that so that is part of it and people the other thing that i've heard is people are like well you trump has been maligning him i actually think that trump maligning him is sort of what's kept him in the race more because trump has sort of been like this is the front runner who i don't want to run against now what I got impeached for it. Right, exactly. And what I would say about the problem with with Biden was in if it had been a normal election, if he had run in 2016 when he had been the vice president, the vice presidency is a huge advantage and I think then he would have really been in a position though even though he has never demonstrated great electability and has never been I mean it's funny, you know, he had this stutter and there was a really great piece writing, written about it and it is true that he ha- he talks in a certain way to keep from stuttering. Yeah. And it's, am- I mean, the guy is amazing. He's a great guy. But again, this is not a normal election. He is not running against Jeb. He's not running against Marco. He's running against, uh, like, the death of democracy. And so Democrats need to pick someone who is really a mercenary. And, that- and Joe Biden is not a mercenary. 
Yeah. One of my questions was, do you think he has become become the front runner because he is the VP or because specifically he is Joe Biden in the sense that we've afforded him a lot of forgiveness? He has had countless gaffes. Right. I mean, last week he called somebody like dog faced pony soldier and it barely got any pickup. And yeah. if you, you can imagine if Mayor Pete called somebody that a young woman on TV, forget it, forget it, forget yeah. it. Um, do you think that we afford him this forgiveness as a candidate because he's the vice president or because he is specifically Joe Biden and we have, I agree, this this warmth towards him? Right. I, I don't know. But it's certainly such a mistake, especially because the whole point of these Democratic primaries are to get ready. I mean, they're not going against a normal Republican. Yeah. They're going against a guy who... Right now they are with Bloomberg. <laughs> right. <laughs> but they're going against a guy who is... Um, you know, I mean, what they did to Hillary, nothing that has never happened to another political candidate ever. And mm. so the idea that Democrats are like, well, Joe's been through a lot. It's insane. Yeah. Um, I would say he's never been a great candidate. And when I, you know, as I was doing research about him, he's not a great candidate. That I think in 2016 might have been OK because Obama was so popular and there just was the was just a different kind of world. People didn't like Hillary. But um, I think now, I mean, I liked Hillary, but, you know, it was a complicated... You understood why people might not. And I also think the bit... You know, what's weird about Hillary, I think, is she got a lot of Bill's baggage and not a lot of the advantage of Bill, which is sort of strange because, like, I talked to... I have a teenage son and, and... I have two teenage sons, and they were like, we hate Hillary, but... Bill is a badass. Wow. I, I was yeah. like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and they like Bill because of his charisma, but they hate Hillary because of Bill's crimes. I mean, yeah. which is, and by crimes, I mean more. They're Moral not, I don't crimes. think they're, yeah, yeah. yeah. Against his marriage. Um, but, uh, so I think that's an interesting paradox. But yeah, I think he would have been, in 2016, he made sense. In 2020, another four years older and looking a little less great. And But it's also, and I mean, I, this was my problem with Hillary too. If you're not going to run for president and kill yourself, then you shouldn't do it. Yes. Like, there are other fucking jobs to do. And it's funny because, like, I remember at the end of the 2016 election, Trump got on his plane and went to, like, 15 different states. And she was, like, in California. Mm -hmm. And now I do think some of the problem was that she was... I've heard, I've talked to people from different campaigns who have said part of the problem was when she would go places, her favorability, especially in the upper Midwest, she wasn't popular in the upper Midwest, so it wouldn't help her. Hmm. But the reality is, and I said this with Joe Biden, everyone went on Maddow except Bernie and Biden. Everyone went, you know, there were certain things that you just have to do, and especially now. I mean, Elizabeth Warren with those selfie lines, Mm -hmm. right? Like, she spent hours and hours standing there. Do you think she wanted to do that? Absolutely not. But it was it gave her a real advantage in the campaign. And it also just spoke to, a, you know, a willingness to work hard to be president. Right, right. It was almost, it, it has been bizarre that he has put seemingly very little effort compared to the other candidates. And I don't know if that's because, I actually don't think it's because he's a front runner. I think this is probably always the race he was going to run. Yeah, I, well, I also think, I think there's a there's an issue Part of it is that somebody is advising him that he doesn't need to do mm-hmm. this or he needs to do fundraising instead, but he's done really bad fundraising. I mean, that's the other thing is he's not, if he were leading in fundraising but not leading in polling, you could say, like er- earlier on, Mayor Pete was just killing it with fundraising yeah. but not killing it with polling. But 
but Biden has had really poor fundraising, too. And if there's one person who should be able to fundraise well, it's the former yes, vice president right. of the party. So there was a lot going on there that just didn't. And, and I think in some ways what's happened this election is Democrats are so afraid of being defeated that they're just constantly trying to like find a candidate who's yeah. undefeatable. And, and, and it's so interesting because they're doing this much to the detriment of themselves. Like if you look at that earlier field, there were like tons of good candidates who got who, yeah. you know, got weeded out for reasons that I can no longer remember. Right, right. Yeah. So let's imagine an alternative reality where Biden never entered the race. Where do you think we might be today? And do you think we'd in a better, be in a better place? Who do you think would have had an especially good path but for Biden? Well, I mean, I think it definitely hurt. Uh, Biden definitely hurt Klobuchar. Yeah. Because Klobuchar is sort of the woman Biden. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I have to wonder how much... Um, Klobuchar and Warren have gotten creamed by Democrats' um, anxiety about Clinton. I do think we've talked about this some. I don't think we've talked about this enough because it's a hard to uh, needle to thread. But yeah. the truth is, what happened with Hillary, uh, there are a lot of Democrats who won't admit it, but who are absolutely terrified that... W what happened with her was because she was a woman. There are plenty of polls, right, where people are asked, uh, would you vote for a woman? And people say, yes, definitely. Do you think your neighbor would? And they say no. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But I also think, remember, the whole, you know, with all this polling with this election, people are always like, right. we just want someone who can beat Trump. We just want someone who can beat Trump. What did Hillary have that nobody else had? She was a woman. Like, it just makes sense that that would be the first thing they would want to sort of weed out of the equation. Um, the problem is, and I don't know where this ends, is that Democrats have been really willing to give up a lot of their, like, the, they are so committed to, like, I almost feel like, well, half the party, or probably more, I think maybe mm, 60, and this is like my own theory and yeah. not based on anything except from what I've seen, Um I think 65% of the party, maybe more, is just obsessed with defeating Donald Trump and does not care. Yeah. And then there's a then there's a substantial part of the party that is very much wants to sort of like right the wrongs of capitalism. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that either side is right. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying it's a fucking collision course. I mean, I yeah. don't know how you solve that. Right, right. I, yeah, I think we saw that a lot, too, with like the New York Times endorsement, which sort of felt right. like a cop out. But their reasoning was that there are two visions for what's next. Let's like this has been a batshit four years. Let's return back to where we kind of were. And Klobuchar can help us do that. Right. Or there's like we have to this was a problem to begin with. This goes beyond what's happened with Trump. We have to basically restructure everything. Yeah. With Elizabeth Warren. The thing that is, I mean, I I admire the idea of like politics has gone very very bad and very very wrong in a lot of different ways and I admire the idealism especially because it's something that po American politics has not had for a long time. I don't know how you achieve any of this if you don't have a democratic senate. Yes, right. And you don't keep a democratic congress and I'm not sure that this has been really well thought out. Right. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you are searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for 
anyone on any occasion. Now it's easier to find gifts made by independent sellers for all of the people in your life, like the pickleballers, I know plenty of those, the jazz fan, the artist, the pasta lover, whatever niche interest they have, you can find an incredible gift on Etsy. From 90s nostalgia and mixology to reality TV and gaming, there is something for everyone. There is so much pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas specifically for my dad, but my dad loves flying. He loves airplanes. He loves aviation, and he never gets sick of a cute little gift that has a reference to that. And the inventory for that on Etsy is incredible. I hope my dad lives for 200 years because I can get him a birthday present related to aviation or planes from Etsy for every single one of them, if not hundreds and hundreds of years more. There really is that much. A gifting moment is always around the corner, but whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. So the media and candidates tend to attack whoever becomes the front runner. Right. Whenever somebody rises, they get the attacks and some never recover. Right. Um, I don't want to say that's what's happened with Elizabeth Warren because I do feel like she's being kind of a race, but it yeah. does feel like the media was like, oh my gosh, Elizabeth Warren, Elizabeth Warren, and then they stopped and then they said, what happened to Elizabeth Warren? It's right. Like you stop talking about her is what happens. Um, but some people say that there is strategic value in that because we sort of vet the candidates in the primaries and get them ready for the general and know what our counter arguments are going to be. On the other hand, it, I think it can sort of cause candidates to really bloody each other up in a oh, way certainly. that they're like no longer viable because mm -hmm. we're remembering everything that the attacks that, you know, if, if it'll, th these will be used in ads, things right. from debates. I wonder what your perspective is on that as someone, especially because I've read that you are very interested in compromise and know the value of compromise, right. but you're also involved and understand sort of the Twitter dialogue that can be a little uh, cannibalistic. Yes. Yeah, a little. <laughs> a little. Um, yeah, I mean, a good example of that was the cat, I mean, I, it's funny because when Kamala was in, I wasn't so attached to her. And then the moment she left, I totally was like, Mister. she was my person where, and I actually even felt like that about, <clears throat> I was never a huge fan of, um, what's her name from New York. And then, oh, Kristen Gillibrand. Kristen Gillibrand. And then when she left, I thought, oh, she brought a lot of totally. interesting things to the yeah. conversation. But, um, what happened with Kamala, I thought was interesting because she had that moment with Joe Biden where she had got this unbelievable jab in about the busing and it was like I saw it and I thought like yeah. this is amazing she's won this debate and then afterwards she said well I may have done the busing too yeah, and I was right. like no I know no. first of all no one cares I mean the problem is no one cares exactly about what happened then it's a totally different world you know you can't even understand um, half the people don't even understand what busing is about and why people were for it and not for it is such, like, it, it doesn't exist now. I mean, there are other problems with segregation and racism, 100%. But the to understand the nuances of that yeah. it, argument, you really need to understand. And there was just a very superficial understanding of the issue. So I don't know. But again, she's a great example of a Democrat going back. Like, if it had been Donald Trump, he would have been like, Mexico's going to pay totally. for the bus. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. nobody, you know, right. and, and, and so many of these debates, we saw these Democrats yelling at each other yeah. about a public option, a private option, whether or not your, you know, your glasses are going to be covered under insurance. Yeah. I mean, you guys, you're running against a guy who said Mexico was going to pay for a wall. Yeah. And that all Mexicans were rapists. Like, yeah. I'm not saying Democrats should be Republicans, but I am saying that. The idea that you get elected 
on policy and the nuances of policy. And uh, that was something that always hurt Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. Was that she had this nuanced policy proposals, which are great and are very, you know, they show she's smart and pragmatic and a good candidate. But the reality is you don't get elected on nuanced policy plans. You get elected on a large, broad message that you can continually broadcast to people. And really, with this election, you can't you should be able to get elected on the idea that Donald Trump must be removed from office Mm -hmm. and that you are a better alternative than that. And that's it. I mean, right. And so I don't I, I mean that. So that's my thinking about her. I do really like her and I admire a lot about her. Um, again, though, Democrats tend not to do well when they don't have a candidate who's super charismatic. Yeah. So, like, if you look at our, you know, Obama, yeah. Bill Clinton, even Carter, right, and our dem- and our candidates who have been really good candidates but who have not been elected, Kerry. And it's funny, if you think about Kerry... Kerry's not mm-hmm. all that different from Mitt Romney. Right. Right. They both sort of seem kind of. They check the boxes. Yeah. Yeah. But they don't really. Joyless. Do you think yeah. Joe Biden's charismatic? I actually like Joe Biden. The problem with Joe Biden. When he's is, good, he's great. Yeah. He's when he's good, he's great. He is so there's something about him, even though he's not old. Right. He's old. Yeah. Even compared to Bernie, Bernie who's totally. older than he is. Yeah. I mean, he just seems kind of old. Right. Yeah. You know, it's weird. Right. He's always the one where it's like before his time's even up. He's like, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's the others are don't begging. Don't surrender it's your so time. Funny. Yeah. It's I'm out so, of time now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What do you think the role of Bloomberg in the race now has sort of impacted the Biden lane? Do you think Bloomberg would be having this kind of rise that he's having had Biden performed a little bit better? I don't think Bloomberg would have jumped in if he right. thought Biden was going to be electable. Uh, in fact... I know he wouldn't have. Yeah. And I and uh, I think that and he thought that Biden wouldn't be able to make it. Uh, the problem is this. You have Buttigieg, Biden, Klobuchar and now Bloomberg all competing for the same 57 percent of the and then you have Bernie's people. So what's going to happen? I don't know how. And for a while, you had Elizabeth Warren was sort of the happy medium right. between the progressive wing and the centrist wing. But as Elizabeth Warren sort of ran out of steam, and I don't really know that that was of her own making as much as it was this all of the weird forces yeah. that have come around 2020, right. um, you saw a divide again. So it's very weird yeah yeah i mean what do you make of of theories that we could have a contested convention it seems sort of likely to me it feels i mean the problem is you had you had Buttigieg and bernie right yeah and then you had Buttigieg and bernie so now we'll see i mean look if 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 um Biden comes in one or two, I'm going to look like an idiot. <laughs> I was actually thinking about that because he's polling really well in South Carolina. And yeah. I was like, he might do okay I there. said to my husband, I was like, if he comes in one, yeah. I really look like an idiot. But um, but I think he's still a spoiler for sure. Right. Yeah. I mean, but um, I think it's po- very possible we get to a divided convention. Look, this is going to be a very ugly primary. Yeah. It's already been a very ugly primary and it's only going to get worse. I, I think that this is going to be a very, very, very ugly election. 
And if Democrats play by Democratic rules, they will lose. Yeah, yeah. One thing that I found super interesting about your piece was, you know, he entered early and he sort of gobbled up lots of endorsements from people Mm -hmm. and public figures. And I'm sure a lot, I can't speak for them, but I do wonder if some of those people now were like, well, fuck, I... Yeah. He, so that's what he's he took a lot of oxygen out of the primary that now is just gone. And he got a lot of centrists excited yeah. that they could have a candidate who wasn't Trump but wasn't too radical. I mean, the problem is and I actually I like Bernie. You know, I don't have yeah. the same kind of uh aversion to him. I'm more pragmatic. Yeah. Which is like can you get this guy elected, which I don't know. But um the problem with Biden was, in some ways, he checked all the boxes, even though he didn't necessarily have, like, a. a he did seem kind of a little bit yeah. exhausted. So it was, he was like the dream nightmare candidate, mm-hmm. because you could say, well, he's a white man, but he's liberal, and he's connected to this, and African Americans like him. I, the thing I have been the most sort of disappointed by in this Democratic primary cycle is how little Democrats have cared about African-American voters and about Hispanic voters. I mean, Hispanic voters are like there for the taking, right? They are there for the taking. They have been alienated by this president. This president has called Mexicans rapists. Like Hispanic voters largely vote Republican or or they don't largely vote, but they're split. Yeah. Because they're, you know, they're depending on where exactly. And if they're religious, the choice Mm -hmm. stuff freaks them out. So... Here's a chance to scoop up a pretty large segment of the population, which is going to get bigger and bigger. And then African-Americans who basically deliver elections for Democrats. And nobody cares. That was the thing I was shocked about the most was like, why was there not? Why did Democrats not figure out like an African-American candidate to? Yes. And I mean, I love Kamala. I'm not sure she quite caught fire with that group. Totally. I think that her problem was like, I wonder a lot is could she sort of sped down the lane that Biden took up a lot of right. space in because but she had trouble because she never really had a good narrative about she well, sort of seemed you saw her. And I mean, literally right. see and for better or for worse, probably assumed certain things about her agenda, which right. she was actually slightly more moderate. And she was never really able to bridge the two in a way that felt authentic. The, I might not have said right. that about a man, the they, word authentic, but they early on. I mean, I think some of it is she is a politician, right? Which people didn't like. Yes, I, I think she's a very talented pop- politician, but she is young. Mm-hmm. I mean, compared to those other guys. I mean, real, everyone is young compared to those right, other guys. Right. <laughs> but, um, but I also found, so that I think was one thing. And then I also think the other thing with her was early on, the Trumpy people got out this narrative that she wasn't really black. Right. And even though that was a tiny thing, it was very much to undermine her credibility. And even those things, they, you know, and then they also said she was a jailer. Right. She was a cop yeah. because she was a prosecutor. And, and so was Amy Klobuchar. Right. And then it's just, it's also like, it's a really good way to undermine women. Mm-hmm. She was a cop. Like, she's yeah. not allowed to be tough. She's not right. allowed to be for law enforcement. Yeah. And so I wonder how much, you know, do not underestimate the power of Junior and his world of these trolley 
alt-right people because they do you read that big atlantic piece about oh yeah oh, that was terrifying where he literally has a text thread of all his people where he's like this is a person i'm mad at i've been end them i've been on that yes i, I can have imagine. been on that thing and i have oh, to tell you know, mvp yeah i think <laughs> yeah i have been on that text and they have done that to me and i have to tell you they did it on instagram and literally my instagram went from because my my twitter sort of protected in a way but my yeah. instagram it went from like it was pictures of my kids, yeah, and he tagged me, and it was like hundreds and hundreds of "you are a smelly cunt" oh, messages, geez. and it just got un- it was like unusable for four days. Don Junior on Instagram is like an underconsidered weapon. Yeah, it's no, gross. His no, page is all and it's all memes like and, guns and yeah. memes and like. He is what's interesting about him, and I've written a lot about Ivanka. I just said a piece about her yesterday. Was Mm -hmm. that um, Ivanka pretends to be like a McKinsey princess of capitalism at Goldman Sachs, and he is like this (laughs) right, right. He's like this alt right meme who draw. You know, he's pretending to be a truck driver, and they come from the same family. It's true. It's true. Sometimes I can't keep track of like. I forget that's like, no, those kids do have the same mom. They have the same yeah. mom. <laughs> but he's do. like this very working class. I go shoot things. And right. she's like, I am Princess Ivanka. I never say a bad word about anyone. So yeah. it's this strange uh, paradox, you know, strange paradox in that family that's very weird. Right, right. And it allows people to say, you know, well, but I feel like Ivanka's sort of got her hands on the reins and everything's right. okay. And right. the people that are like, well... What if he's not concerned? Well, you can point at Don Jr. And it's like, that's exactly the MAGA type you want to reinforce. Oh, yeah. And yeah. and Don Jr. works hard, too. I mean, I saw that they, they're doing these fundraising events that, like, s- seem a little bit like multi, uh, you know, mar- <laughs> MLMs. Yes. Mostly live marketing. Exactly. That's funny. Yeah. yeah. He's like the Avon lady, but he really for is. racists. It's really true. <laughs> I'm Betch's co-founder, Jordana Abraham, and this episode is brought to you by Instacart. Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on, while she's sneezing, coughing, aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us, trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues to tea to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker of yours. So sort of backing up a little bit, you are an author who has written a lot about culture. Yeah. How did you get into to politics? So it's actually an interesting story because I, and it's funny, I have another friend of mine who's at Yahoo does politics. And oh, cool. We both started around 2016. Oh. I had written a lot about culture and I'd written a lot about um, the way society is lived in different ways, and he had also written a lot about art and stuff. I what I think what happened was politics. For a long time, I had sort of thought things would take care of themselves, and Obama felt like proof to me that we were heading in the right direction. And mm-hmm. yes, there were things he did that I didn't love, and yes, there were some issues, but for largely the world was good, and we would get Hillary and. Sure, there were things about Hillary that weren't amazing, but ultimately she'd be fine and things would run. And and that summer I kept thinking, you know, 
this guy gets elected, it's going to be bad. But and, and everyone would say to me, oh, you're being and I've always been like very anxious, but also very good at picking up when things are going really wrong. Mm-hmm. And I and I kept saying to my husband, you know, I think he's going to win. And he kept saying, that's crazy. There's this um, political scientist at Princeton who says it's impossible. <laughs> he there's no path to 278. Yeah, it's never going to happen. And I'd be like, mm, I feel like he's going to win. And then, so I went and I canvassed for Hillary, which I had never done. I went to um, Ohio and I went to yeah. Pennsylvania, and I was like, oh, this is not good. Like there are no lawn signs. Yeah. And these people do not, and we've knocked on doors, and they were like, so, I mean, the people who wanted her were like, I will drag myself over broken yes. glass to be there. <laughs> yeah. But the people who didn't were like sending their dogs to chase off, off their lawns. Yeah. And I thought, oh, this is not good. Like, and I don't know that I had realized, because I had been busy, I had all these children when I was young, mm-hmm. so I don't know that I had realized just quite how bifurcated America had become yeah even since I had been 21 like it used because of the manufacturing jobs right and the automation America a lot of America had sort of shrunk into these cities and when you had gotten out you know between the cities even between like New York and DC it was like a different world and uh, I didn't. I don't think I realized quite how badly that was going on because I was sort of just involved totally. in my own thing. And um, it is interesting to me as someone. My mother wrote feminist stuff, but isn't quite as much of an activist. My grandfather was a big, big activist and a communist, and very involved with uh, you know blacklisted. And he was very much like he grew up very poor, and libraries were like a central part of his childhood, and so he really believed. Mm in this idea that the state could take care of people and that they should, and it was their responsibility. And um, and I don't not believe in that. Like, I do believe that the government should provide health care. And I do believe that the government, especially now in an America that is so rich, yeah, it mm-hmm. needs to be able to provide. I mean, I actually like the one thing I like that everyone hates, and in fact, my son, my older, my teenage son, woke teenage son yeah. on Twitter, um, really hates this so That's much. That's handle. Yeah. <laughs> and he's very, and he's a big Bernie bro, and yeah. he's very pissed off at me because I really like, I think that the year of national service that Buttigieg has, it really is a central tenant of his platform, which uh, all my friends hate and my son hates, Yeah, you don't hates, hear about hates, it a hates. lot. Yeah. But I think it's brilliant because the truth is America has a lot of stuff wrong. And there's a lot of stuff like we have a generation that's getting older and older and older. And we have all of the I mean, there are things that these teenagers could do that would be incredible. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So after the 2016 election and you were sort of more involved with political conversations, um, You've had these, I read that they, the word that described them was politically charged dinner parties. Right. I didn't know what that necessarily <laughs> mean, but can you sort of talk about the sort of conversations that you host and what the aim is and what uh, you think that you sort of see conversations happening that um, maybe are sort of lost on the general public or what the media portrays? I mean, I do think, I wish that, I wish that I could get, the problem is I think, yeah, I've been doing those for a while, and they're interesting. I haven't done them as much lately um, to get people from all sides 
The problem is the Trumpy people are kind of, you can't get those people. Right. Because they're living in their own mm-hmm. reality, and it's almost like you can't deprogram them. Mm. And I think it would be interesting to have those people. It, it's sort The problem is, again, it's everything is so bifurcated mm-hmm. that you can't appeal to those people because they just can't get out. You know, their news, they've had this news that has... yes. Talk, you know, Fox News, between, they're so wrapped up in things. And it's funny, you, like, you talk to them and, and I have a few friends who are, who are, like, on that Fox News diet. Mm-hmm. And you can tell, there are sort of, like, different RNC talking yeah. points for the week. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, you'll say, and they'll be like, well, what about wacky Bernie? Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> he's not really that wacky. Right. Like, I know Trump thinks he's wacky. Yeah. And so I feel like they're, the, the, level of propaganda and the ability that republicans have had to like move those talking points into fox news has been amazing and democrats are not at all worried enough about that yeah yeah would it be fair to say that you know a lot of rich people yes so what do you think that the the media has this idea that um rich people are terrified of bernie and they are gonna do whatever it sort of takes and i'm curious you know it didn't really look like that many donations from very wealthy people were going to Biden. You sort right. of, I think a lot of them did go to Buttigieg. But what do you think that, you know, again, that sort of collective rich people are scared of Bernie Sanders. What do you think that sort of lefty Twitter gets wrong about that narrative? What are you seeing that you think <coughs> most people are, is lost on most people? I mean, I, there's an interesting, interesting class war going on right now in the media and it is fascinating, and uh, I don't think I think people are scared of Bernie. I don't know that it's rich people who are scared of Bernie. I think it's older people who are scared of Bernie, um, and I think it's because because I think young rich people like him a lot. It's so sad. It's Pierce. <laughs> right. Say it again. It's, it's Pierce. No, yeah. but I really think yeah, it yeah. is because I think they have a lot of feelings about the word socialism that are not necessarily what younger people... Younger people think socialism, they think Sweden. Yeah. Uh, older people think socialism, they think Stalin. Yes. And so I think that is really Bernie's biggest problem. Some of the older people are richer because they're older. Yeah. Um, I But I don't think... I don't think it's a money thing. I think it's an age thing. I mean, certainly you will have very rich young people. Uh, look, the taxation in this country is completely fucked. Yeah. It is fucked. Inarguably, yeah. yeah. And the, it needs to be fix and it needs to be wealthy people i mean should be paying their fair share and they should be that's a hundred percent right but also the other thing is corporations should be paying their fucking fair share i mean if you look at the trump trump cut corporate taxes yeah so um i think that there is larger than that like amazon should be paying taxes Uh, jeff bezos pays taxes he should be paying more taxes um but again, like companies should absolutely be paying taxes and there shouldn't be tax loopholes. I mean, the thing about the one thing I would say about taxes is this is very complicated and yeah. very, very rich people spend millions of dollars trying to figure out how not to pay taxes. Yeah, they can spend millions to save right. billions. Right. And so that is why in some ways that and I do not support him, but you want somebody who's really smart doing taxes and, you know, I lived in New York under Bloomberg. I'm not a Bloomberg fan, but I lived in New York during Bloomberg, and he was really fucking tough. Yeah. 
And like he was, I mean, stop and frisk is one of the great tragedies of our time. And is, you know, is it a war crime? Perhaps. Is it a moral crime? A hundred percent. Is, but was he smart about getting people to do stuff? Yes. Um, So that is all I would say about that. Um, But I do think that, um, yeah, Democrats have to be really smart. And so I do think, I mean, that is the case for Elizabeth Warren, I think a little more than Bernie, because Warren is very thoughtful about taxation, and she's yeah. worked very hard about that. Um, but yeah, and and by the way, there should be a war on the rich, because there's a huge wealth inequality. Yeah, It's like pre-French Revolution, and that should be... Like, this has been set up by wealthy people not paying taxes and by a division. Yeah, that's when I there I became, like, fairly convinced by some of Andrew Yang's yeah. sort of ideas where it's like, things are going to get bad. People are going to get really mad when their jobs are gone. And the people that get mad are going to be the people that also have guns. Yeah. And they're going to have time on their hands. And, like, he sort of had... Um, I really this like this sort him. of uh, maybe you could. Co- I like. Yeah, I know. I, I read today's going to be a CNN contributor and I was thrilled so I, I can I, see him I, more. I, no, I kind of want him to run for mayor. Oh, of New York City. Yeah, he's a real. I didn't realize until recently he's like a real New Yorker. He's great. Yeah, he yeah. like did test prep. I re- he threw parties as a side hustle for a while. Yeah, no, I he's really him. cool. I love him too. Yeah, I interviewed him for Glamour and I was oh, like, really? he's so good. There was yeah. an interview with him. It was like an exit interview in the Atlantic and. No one really picked it up, but somebody, the, the interviewer asked him, like, would you take a position in the cabinet? He was like, well, I'm not going to be a dick about it. I'm not going to be like, fuck that. Those literal words. And I was like, God, really this is the guy yeah. that I already miss. Yeah, I know. But I, so I would say that um, taxation has to be thought of in a really, I mean, look, this is the legacy of Reaganomics. <laughs> this is not the legacy of Bush. This is the legacy of Reagan. You know, this inequality and <clears throat> to be fixing it is going to take a lot of like really creative thinking. Right. And um and I and I do think though that you know what's funny is like I do think we are I mean what I like about Andrew Yang is he talked a lot about what are we going to do about automation. Yeah. And that is a real thing and Trump it's funny because Trump in his very fucked up way has want you know he knows it's a real problem because that's his base is the automated base the base that's losing all their jobs. And so he has been like kind of wanting to address it, but because he's such a terrible politician and such an idiot, he can't do it. But you have to think about um, it. I, I do think there's some kind of wealth tax, you know, automation, public works thing that could be created to find because these people need to be retrained for yes. other jobs. Hey there, overwhelmed foodies. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options, feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same, with the same fish picture? Fear not, because amidst the chaos, there's one shining star worth your culinary affection. Home Chef is not just another fish in the meal kit sea. They're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes, conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you and the entire family covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week, and they serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it is economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. So for a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box 
and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash fever dream. That's homechef.com slash fever dream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash fever dream. You must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Shipping can make or break a sale. So optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. So my last question is, what is your sort of nightmare scenario for how the Democratic primary ends? Oh. And how do you think that we can avoid it? I don't know necessarily who I mean by we. I guess just anybody yeah. who has any agency to signal boost or do anything or vote do i have a nightmare sna- oh i have a nightmare for everything Every day, yeah. i have a nightmare i know when you said when you said that you're an anxious person who also tends to know when things are wrong that sounds like a nightmare I, because I, i'm anxious too but i need people to be like that will never happen i had to it does. well no a lot of times i'm wrong but then like yeah. i i have been right and it's yeah, been enough a disaster times. yeah um no i think we're very possibly looking down a nightmare scenario of a bloomberg versus bernie death primary where yeah. you have a basically Republican against a far left, and you are picked to ch- you are forced to choose. Yeah, and and um, then you ruin right each and, other. Right, you the, ruin yeah. each other. You also have a whoever wins, the other group is going to go nuts. Mm-hmm. And yes. uh, I think it's going to be a nightmare. And and then you have Donald Trump, who is going to be thrilled. That's yeah, and who is going to use it at every chance? You know, anything bad that one candidate has said about another will be in the general, no question. So, look, my dream is we get to a nomination where we have a candidate who is nominated who seems like a reasonable person who can survive going up against Donald Trump and not have 20, 30, 40 percent of the party completely alienated. I don't know. I I can't. It's hard for me to imagine that that is coming up. I mean, the fantasy fantasy scenario for me is that Elizabeth Warren, who it, who was this sort of more unifying candidate, could take it all back, yeah. or that Amy Klobuchar, who again, I wonder how much people like her because they just haven't paid any attention to her, right. right? But, you know, Klobuchar or Buttigieg or Biden or one of those people in that center lane can sort of figure it out and get going. But if it's this way it is now, and and uh, Klobuchar just raised $12 million, mm-hmm. which it means she's not dropping out anytime soon, we could be in, like, yeah. horrible Did primary you, uh, Armageddon. See, there's a piece a lot of people were talking about today called It's Time to Give Elites a Bigger Say in Choosing the President. Yeah, I actually talked to that one. Oh, you did? Yeah. Yeah, her name is uh, Julia Azari. Um, the the piece itself is much more nuanced. Yeah. Yes, I was. I obviously the saw the, the people. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because as a writer who's gotten titles like that That's before. That's why I asked you who put the headline yeah, on your yeah, piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a writer who's gotten, I, I, am, I still don't, like, get title i guess i do at the beast i can get title approval but sometimes they'll smack a title on there if it's real bad i will like i wrote a title i wrote a piece about the democratic primaries like months ago and it was at the bulwark and i'm always very careful when i write for the bulwark not to trash democrats because i feel like it's a conservative paper um and they put in a title and i didn't like it and i had a 
fit. Good. And yeah. um, but that title, it's funny because the piece isn't, I mean, the piece is like this nuanced piece by a political scientist yeah. about, um, but she was going to get creamed. Look, there Maybe Don Jr. liked it. <laughs> well, no, Don Jr. hates the elites. Yeah. I mean, he, True. you know, you see him like tweeting about how terrible Bloomberg is for being wealthy. I'm like, your whole shtick is that you're wealthy. <laughs> I know. And, Trump, and racist. Right. And Trump is like, Bloomberg is a racist. I was like, yeah. they That's, support that. Right. <laughs> they you like should be scared of that. Right. Yeah. I mean, then your base will be into it. So um, I think that the I think the reality is um she she got a bad title. Yeah. I mean, and she's gonna get cream for it. I, yeah, and I mean, I don't know. Yeah, you, but yeah, the yeah. thesis seemed to sort of be that uh, right. there can be these sort of a primary preference primary. She says right. where voters sort of make it sounds to be like glorified suggestions. What's important to them? Who mm-hmm. they like? And then in the end, sort of party elites gather and decide who's the most unifying. Right. Candidate. The idea is to keep it keep us from fracturing so much I think as we've yeah, been talking about which I, we're both really, really worried about that not about elites and, and right. the other thing I would say is I mean I think the answer is ranked choice voting yeah I, my Clo- question was who do you think they would choose oh closed primaries ranked choice voting yeah um if they have ranked choice voting I think it's possible that you know Biden does better mm. in ranked choice voting than he would otherwise um I don't know who they would choose. Look, there's a very committed group of wing of the party that really loves Bernie. And they love Bernie a lot. And there's something to be said for that. And so Mm -hmm. I think the question is, could they push Bernie over the top? I don't know. That's more of a question than an answer. Um, There is a a group that loves Buttigieg. It's not a big enough group to make him the nominee right now. So I don't know, and I think the same is cl- true for Klobuchar and Biden. So uh, uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the problem is we all thought we would get to a place by now where we would be able to say that we had a candidate. And I feel like if you could just mush one or two of them together, you'd get a really exactly. good candidate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We were saying that like if ranked choice works to get Parasite to number one at the right. Oscars, then it can work for us. Oh, Parasite is so good. So I saw good. It this weekend. Because everybody wanted, the, everybody loved that movie. Right. So it, bub- it eventually bubbled up and won, which yeah. is... We should have a, a president that everybody likes. Ranked choice is really the way to go. And they're doing it in New York City now, mm-hmm. which is amazing. Yeah. And, you know, if we had had ranked choice in New York City, we never would have Bill de Blasio as mm-hmm. our mayor, which right. is something to think about because he is like the most disliked mayor ever. Yeah. So yeah. and I and loved, we had Giuliani. Right. Exactly. I, well, Giuliani's worse. Yeah. <laughs> but um, we ha- I, I mean, I had loved Bill, Bill Taylor. That had been my pick. But I would have been, you know, I would have ranked Bill Taylor and then I would have ranked yeah. um, Christine Quinn yeah. and we would not have Mayor DePazio today. Right. So yeah. anyway, yeah. I, yeah. Thank you so much, Molly. We really appreciate it. Where can people find you? I'm on Twitter at Molly Jongfast. And then I also, um, I'm at Instagram mm-hmm. and I write for the Daily Beast about once a week. And I write also for different places too. Awesome. Thank you so much. Until the end of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman, and this is the Betches Sup Podcast. The Betches Sup Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman. Our podcast managers are Mike Coscarelli and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. The Sup is created by Sammy Fishbein. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, and send your emails to Sup at Betches.com. Batches.